Welcome to Unprofessional and Unprepared, our lighthearted weekly conversation about sports, life, fatherhood, and whatever else comes up with no script and no preparation. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and this week we recap the Super Bowl, discuss our show's impact on the Cleveland Cavs season, and consider ways to expand our audience. I'm joined again tonight by two of the best ever. Tommy Burke is here. Hey, Gerbs. How's it going, buddy? Good, man. And Phil Denko is here as well. Hi, fellas. Good to be here again. Tommy, let's dive right in, buddy. Bitcoin continues to take over markets and generate millions for investors. Explain how a Bitcoin is made and update our listeners on the development of the paper version for those who don't like to carry around change. Obviously, that's a, an area that being in banking, I'm, I'm an expert at. It's made by miniature elves. I believe miniature elves. Uh, yeah, <laughs> not, like, not, not those like giant elves. <laughs> it's the miniature elves. You, you got to get them into the computer, so they yeah. got to be pretty small. Yeah. They got to get in there and make those things. I don't have any bitcoins, so unfortunately, uh, you know, I haven't gotten into that and don't have a lot of information on it. Probably should though. That stuff's worth a lot. I need to steal some of that stuff. All right, maybe we'll circle back and ask you again about that one next week, Tom. You can be a little bit more prepared for our listeners. <laughs> be prepared. All right, fellas, let's move into our first segment and recap Super Bowl 55. Tampa Bay Buccaneers take home the Lombardi Trophy in a game that played out pretty much exactly how this show <laughs> predicted it would. I'm not sure if you guys remember from last week. I went back and gave it a listen, and we all agreed that the Buccaneers were going to win by a blowout, that Kansas City just didn't have enough weapons on offense to deal with that defense, and that Bruce Arians would outcoach Andy Reid. Is that how you guys remember it? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go to the next segment. <laughs> yeah, check off the field. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it actually didn't quite turn out how any of us expected it would. My favorite part of the game was realizing about halfway through that the Bucks were really striking a blow for old men because we have Bruce Arians, who was the oldest head coach ever to win. Tom Brady has to be the oldest quarterback ever to win. Gronk is a year off of retirement. And those are three pretty old guys. I included uh, Leonard Fournette originally in my list because I feel like Leonard Fournette has been playing in the NFL yeah. for at least 12 seasons. Yeah, he's not that old. But then I looked it up and he's only 26. Yeah. So either I'm wrong about the 12 seasons or somewhere along the line, we missed a story about a guy making the leap directly from junior high to the NFL. <laughs> um, I think it's the latter. Phil, well, what does it say to you that the Bucks were able to put together this season and, and get a championship relying so heavily on guys that maybe are at least past their prime a little bit? I think, you know, you add a Tom Brady to that team, and I know he's one of the old guys we're talking about, but, you know, he's Tom Brady. He's he's our age, but he doesn't look it, nor does he act it, and he's a leader, and he goes out there, and he, he brings that team together because what's what might be lost in all this talk of how old the Buccaneers head leadership is between the quarterback and the, and the head coach. They have a lot of young, talented football players up and down that roster. You know, I, I think it's that balance, right? You've got, you got guys who have been through it. You've got guys who go out there and demand respect because let's face it, you know, you're supposed to respect your elders <laughs> and uh, uh, you know, the, the youth of the team listen to Tom Brady and, and Bruce Arians and they, and they got it done. And at one point they were kind of, in the middle of the pack, if I'm not mistaken, like midway through the season, they they were just a couple games above 500 or whatever it was. And then they rattled off seven wins in a row. And it was that perfect combination of experience, talent and playing your best football at the right time. 
So I guess Phil doesn't think it's a big win for old guys focusing on the young guys. Tom, what do you think? Sure. I'd say it was a nice, nice win for the old guys. I mean, Brady, um, obviously, I, I mean, as Phil said, I mean, you had a Tom Brady to a team. Bruce Arians has a lot of coaching experience. You're either going to get in line and, and, you know, play the way they want you to, or you're just not going to be playing. So you're going to get guys that are going to buy in. Who's not going to listen to Tom Brady and want to play the way he wants you to play? Tyron uh, Matthew. Is not going to listen to Tom Brady. <laughs> well, that's very true. I think maybe even he would at this point. I, th- <laughs> yeah, I think they smoothed right. smooth that little beef over. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure Matthew would been more than happy to be in the other side of things uh, last night but no i mean it's yeah it's always great to see you know 43 year old quarterback go out and win a super bowl i mean that's unreal i mean the guy that's our age is still playing and i i can barely move off the couch let alone uh throw a football and so you know i mean to see that it's it's outstanding the guy's gonna keep going and they're not done they got plenty of, plenty of talent a lot of that talent's on the defensive side of the ball well, i'm really glad to hear you feel that way about you know the the benefits of focusing on the older guys because I'm wondering if there might be some older guys or recently retired guys that the Browns might want to consider bringing back. <laughs> Phil so. Dawson. Phil Dawson comes to mind. <laughs> yeah, that's an Actually, area we could use some help. Yeah. Well, I guess you're right. I actually, I, I tried to outline some areas where I thought we could use some help, and kicker was not one of them. But I actually, <laughs> probably should have. Yeah. But linebacker, we could always use some help there. Although they they definitely are playing better by the end of the year. Luke Keekley only retired like last year. That guy's right. still out there. We got well, any interest in him? Call him. Okay. Uh, we have interest. The problem is, is that he had so many concussions. That's why he kind of decided to hang him up. So I don't know if mm. you're going to get him out of retirement. All right. Well, I'm not done. What about James Harrison? He only retired in 2018 and looked pretty fast in that E-Trade commercial or whatever yeah. it was that he was on. Should we kick the tires on James Harrison? Yeah, he uh, he hit the heck out of that guy in that commercial and uh, looks as scary as ever. So I, I would throw him out there, sure. Obviously, we need help in the secondary. How about Daryl Rivas? He only retired in 2018. Should we add the him island? to the squad? Yeah. <laughs> when did he retire? Three years ago? Four years ago? 2018. Oh, he's got to be. He's got to be like Tom Brady's age. There's no way he can play corner. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So maybe we'll, <laughs> maybe we'll pass on Daryl Rivas. It would be nice to have a little bit more speed on the outside on offense. Teddy Ginn is only 35 years old, and he had wow. three receptions for 40 yards this year. With the Bears, that's like a 13-yard per catch average. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be something the Browns should consider adding? I think if you average that on every play, you can't lose, right? <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah. just, just put Teddy Ginn out there. Right. <laughs> I'm surprised he's only 35. I just I feel like he's been in the league for so long. I double-checked that because I felt the same thing. Yeah. There's no way this dude's only 35 years right. old. He's been playing for 20 years. Moving on from my desire to add some more old men to the Browns. Phil, what do you think the Tampa Bay defense was able to do in the Super Bowl that the Browns and the Bills couldn't in the prior two playoff games? Well, their their front four pressured Mahomes on every other snap. In fact, I think statistically more than every other snap. It was like 52% of the snaps he was pressured on. And I'm sure a lot of that had to do with the fact that both starting tackles were out, but he was just running for his life the whole game. They didn't have to really dial up too many blitzes uh, because they were getting so much pressure on them from the front four. On occasion, you know, I think they they sent uh, Shaq Barrett a couple times, and he looked super fast. The other linebacker, not Burke's boy uh, David David, but uh, was it Wright? I think something like yeah. that. He Dude was uh, all over the place. All over the place. Made a pretty good argument for anyone not named Tom Brady to be named the MVP of the game. I think it was that it was pressure on Mahomes. He was never in rhythm uh, from the from the jump. So that's what that defense did. Tom, were you surprised to see Tampa Bay implementing a 
classic Cleveland Browns defense of putting both safeties 40 yards from the line of scrimmage? <laughs> and are you surprised also that it somehow worked this time? I wasn't surprised because obviously they wanted to keep everything in front of them, especially with guys like Tyreek out there. But it, it did surprise me at how well it worked. Uh, so obviously they played it a hell of a lot better than our guys have ever played it. Maybe we need to take some notes. We also need to get some better players back there. But I, I thought the biggest surprise of the whole thing, and Phil alluded to him, was, uh, you know, I called him David David, but Levante David was outstanding on Kelsey yeah. and flat out took him out of the game. I threw that out there last week. Um, and man, did they make me seem smart like I actually knew something. Yeah, not, not um, too smart you didn't know his no. name right but you did have the right strategy <laughs> yeah but uh somehow that worked i i never thought it would you know that they would be able to shut down kelsey like that the defense did, did they shut, shut down? everything down they slowed kelsey down but he he was the one guy on their offense that actually put up decent numbers again i, I felt I, I like think... kelsey got pretty beat up in that game to be honest with you but... i mean i think he had he had something like 10 catches and like 115 yards or something like that mm -hmm. but it was yeah. it, it never in felt the middle like of the field. meaningful yeah. yards it was it all in the middle like of the game field. changing yep. plays yep. they did what we thought the browns we're going to try to do they just did it so much better and maybe also benefited from the fact that kansas city also didn't look very good plenty of unforced errors in that game that you hadn't seen in the prior two playoff games as well i was shocked that mahomes was holding the ball as much as he was i felt like he had to have some guys open at times and he just was not getting rid of the ball so much hesitation with him and I, you just don't see that with you know and then on some of those plays where he's dropping back 30 40 yards those plays aren't going to work not often i was very surprised at how hesitant he played and just did not seem comfortable I agree with that. I think, you know, when you think back at the way that game went, the way you should play a defense that is getting pressure on the quarterback is you, you call these quick hitters, you know, the screens, you get Tyreek the ball in a two yard, three yard window and let him do the work. All the more praise deserved to the, the Bucks defense then because they must have been taking that away too. To your point, Berg, Mahomes, it was constantly kind of checking down, holding the ball, scrambling around. So even if they had a quick hitter called, the Bucks must have been doing something to, to take that yeah. away from them. Tom, do you think Brady deserved the MVP, even though he only threw for about 200 yards? I do, because I think if you if you remove Brady from that game, you know, I don't I don't think it's the same game. He led this team. They bought in. They realized this is the greatest of all time. We're going to step it up and play for this guy. And although the numbers weren't huge, um, he made the plays that needed to be made. He's the leader of that team. I mean, to me, you could have given it to the just the defense as a whole. I mean, that would have been my maybe my choice before Tom Brady, I guess. But but really, I still think that throw someone else in there at quarterback, and it's probably not the same outcome. Phil, what did you think was more entertaining, the halftime show or watching some of the incompletions that Mahomes threw? I don't get a scale for this. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, it's, it's a comparison I, question. I would say <laughs> comparing those two, some of the incompletions were way more entertaining. Two towards the very end of the game were the most entertaining incomplete passes I've ever seen. The one he scrambled around for what seemed like half the fourth quarter. And then uh, he still ended up hitting the guy in the face mask, didn't he? Like throwing it off balance yeah. and he hit the yeah. guy in the face mask in the, in the end zone. The other one wasn't as as much of a scramble. He was still scrambling around, but he was being sacked. He was parallel to the ground, and he flicked the ball on a rope, yeah. you know, sidearm. And it was I'm watching. That. I'm like, how does he even get that ball off? And again, two incomplete passes. They were a, a non stat, right? Other than an incomplete pass, and they were some of the more entertaining plays of the game. I, I was amazed at just the level of athleticism and seeing a quarterback who clearly was trying to make every play possible to get the team into it. And, and Tampa Bay was too good, man. No matter what that guy came up with, he just didn't have enough to make the plays, but 
I've never watched a game and thought that incompletion was one of the coolest plays I saw all night long. And it happened. You're right. At least twice. I wanted to jump back guys to go through some of the prop bets from last week and see how we did. I think we did all right on the made up ones. Yeah. Those there were definitely snacks in that mess. Yeah. 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 Well, I think that Burke got the Burke got that one, right? He guessed that he was Andy Reid was going to wear a mask, not a face shield. Uh, Bruce Arians did not wear the Kangol hat at all. He wore yeah. a baseball hat. So pull it. That's a that push. <laughs> I'll tell you what. The one that really surprised me when I was going back and looking through these today was that the number of mentions of Bill Belichick yeah. during the broadcast. That's right. The was over under was one. Was it one time they mentioned him? Yep, it pushed. Yeah. Oh, and, wow. and you know the only me. time the only time they mentioned him is when they threw the graphic up there of the oldest coaches to win a Super Bowl. They had to mention him because he was on the list. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> that was it. It had nothing to do with Brady. It was it was impressive. Did you? I happened to notice this morning on uh, highlights too. Did you notice the color of the Gatorade? I did. That was my. Yeah. That was the last one I wanted Couldn't to hit. Believe it. Couldn't I missed it. it. What was it? The Gatorade was blue. Oh, it was. Okay. That was plus 700. That was like yeah. the biggest bet of the Gatorade prop. And nobody had to argue about whether it was Gatorade or water. It was it was clearly that. <laughs> Definitely Gatorade. Well, fellas, I think it's time to close up our conversations on this season of the NFL and this Super Bowl. Although not really entertained by the game, it was something to see Tom Brady win another one. And mm-hmm. for that guy to just be now so far ahead of every other quarterback you could mention as far as Super Bowl titles and trips to the Super Bowl and wins and MVPs. And we've gotten in the last 20 years to witness something pretty cool watching that guy play. Also ahead of every other franchise in the NFL. Unreal. Predicted. All right, fellas, why don't we take a quick break and we'll move into our second segment, which is going to be our home game. We're going to get to talk a little more Cleveland sports tonight. All right. All right. This week's episode of Unprofessional and Unprepared is brought to you by Soup. Warm, delicious, and perfect on a cold day or evening. Soup is the soft, wet meal in a bowl that says you are either a small child or moving past the center line of middle age. Like warm tea, but with chunks. Soup is that easy-to-digest and hydrating meal that you probably never thought about eating in your 20s and 30s, but sounds like a great treat as 40 starts to enter the rear view mirror. Is it Friday night? Great! Grab your sweats, a knit blanket, and turn on your favorite sitcom about being a parent. But don't forget your soup. All right, welcome back, fellas. Let's dive into our second segment of the night and talk about some Cleveland sports. I noticed a story on Cleveland.com last week about the most disappointing player for the Cleveland Browns during the 2020 football season. The experts, like the reporters who cover the Browns for Cleveland.com, selected the players and then fans were voting on it. Uh, The players they selected were Mac Wilson, Odell Beckham Jr., Sion Takitaki, and Austin Hooper. Do you know who won? Sandejo. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't the most disappointing because nobody was expecting anything. Yeah, that's right. The expectation was so low, it wasn't the most disappointing. Yeah, it's not disappointing at all. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I have out of that who. group, probably OBJ, but I, I don't think that's fair since he got hurt, but they're probably going to be most disappointed OBJ. I'm going to go uh, Mac Wilson. Austin Hooper, actually. Really? Well, yeah. I could see that. That was a big, 
Huge was a big, contract. Big, big contract. He was kind of banged up this season when he was in there. It was, wasn't the best. So, yeah. I feel like he got a bad rep because he had a really slow start to the season. But actually, the last half of the year, I thought he played he pretty, pretty well. well. He had some drops early on. But, yeah, I thought he turned it on, had some had some TDs towards the end there, and maybe, you know, get that first year behind him with the Browns. And Is this a, just another example of the – Cleveland Browns attitude taking over and the media needs to let this shit go. Why are we voting on the most disappointing player right. yeah. in a season that we finally went to the playoffs, won a playoff game, have a great coach? Like, what are we yeah. doing? You're focused on all the wrong sort of the shit. media here you doesn't know. know how not to be negative. Yeah. They, they, they don't yeah. they don't know what to do now now that they are they're like normally we get, you know, eight months of what are we gonna do with the quarterback position? And now because we basically know that this media does not know what to do with themselves. We had the greatest season in two decades, and let's write an article on who the most disappointing player was. Like that's <laughs> not, ridiculous. Not, to be fair, they wrote some other good stuff, but oh, it stuck out that. to me. Yeah. Um, but it I was stuck under the impression to... that was the only article. In <laughs> <It was. laughs> that's right. That's how they for, wrapped up the season <laughs> for three straight days. It was just this this poll for fans <laughs> to vote on, uh, and the only reason it really caught my eye was for exactly the reason you guys have already said. Sandejo didn't make the list, <laughs> and I feel like he should feel really disrespected by that how am i not on this list but i think maybe you guys already cleared up by the fact that the expectations were so low yeah, that it's hard uh, to be disappointed yeah. when you weren't low expecting bar. anything in the first place yeah. leaping over the low bar <laughs> Uh, let's move on and talk some Cavs basketball. About two weeks ago, maybe it was three weeks ago, we talked about the Cavs a little bit, and I said that I didn't think they were that shitty, and I think I jinxed them because since that night, they're two and five. Uh, they have dropped out of a seating where they would be in the playoffs. Saturday night, Larry Nance Jr. broke his hand. He's out for four to six weeks. Uh, Kevin Love has not come back. How much blame, Phil? do you think our show should take for stating that the Cavs weren't that shitty? Since I know that the Cavs front office listened to this pod, I'm going to say we'll <laughs> we'll shoulder at least 50% of the blame, but that's it. Oh, I'm not 50% going over 50%. seems high. <laughs> we haven't even played no, in any of the no, games. <laughs> no, we, we should shoulder absolutely no part of the blame at all. The blame falls on, I, I don't know what. I mean, it's it's. I've been watching these games, some anyway, and it, it seems like they're in most games, and then they just can't can't finish the game and maybe that's yeah. a product of how how young they are and what they're what they're learning do you think we should feel at fault at all i mean it's on my mind or else i wouldn't have asked a question yeah uh, well, I, I don't know I you gotta let that go man <laughs> part of part of going two and five is i think they played the clippers and the bucks what do you think tom are we to blame um, for the Cavs? I mean, I'm not taking any blame at all. Um, nice, nice team player. Yeah, right. I, I didn't say that those words. So no, that's on you. No, I, uh, I don't know if you guys know this. I think Andre Drummond's a good player. I just want to throw that out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it feels exactly right. They're, they're just not closing games. They have a ton of talent. I mean, these guards are outstanding. They can score at will, but I think this is a team. After that trade where they, you know, they brought in Allen and Prince, I think both those guys are, are going to be good for this team. But I think this team's trying to figure out how to play with each other. It's just going to take some time. I agree with you, Gerbs. When you go against some of these teams, you know, those teams are just flat out better than we are right now. Yeah. So, you yeah. Know, what are you, you going to expect? I think the Cavs have a lot to be excited about. They got a lot of young talent, very young team. You know, they're in a lot of these games with very tough teams. And, you know, they won some 
nice games against Brooklyn. So so maybe they get into a part of the schedule where they get a decent run of like the middle of the pack of the league build, and build some confidence. Yeah, and 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 start winning more games again. Yeah. And I think it's a good point that they made that trade. They brought in some new guys that they're going to be relying on. And it does take time. I, I think you see that in the NBA when these trades are made, everybody thinks that it's automatically going to be successful. And it, it takes a few weeks to figure out where they're going to fit in the rotations and how you're going to play with them and whose job is going to be what. They should be able to get that figured out and still make the playoffs if they've got the kind of talent that we think they do, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of season left. And a lot of it, too, is who, who are the guys that are going to step forward and be your leaders on the team? Normally, you would probably just say right off the bat, it would be Kevin Love, but Kevin Love's been a cheerleader this whole time and, and doing a great job, by the way. He, he flies off that bench. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I hope he's careful when he comes off the bench. Uh, well, I, thought, I thought the same thing. There was yeah. actually a scene of like uh, Darius Garland jumped on his back yeah. to celebrate, oh. and 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 Love was like carrying him around. I'm thinking, wait a minute, how yeah. injured are you? Right? What's happening why aren't right you now? playing? If you can do this, <laughs> yeah. why aren't you on the court? Yeah, it's just a matter of putting it all together. Who's going to lead the team? Getting the guys to follow, teaching these young guys how to finish. All right, guys, I'm going to bring the mood down considerably Good. finally god. we're getting to abortion <laughs> no oh, god i'll write a prayer i'm writing a prayer <laughs> yes thank you marty schottenheimer was put into hospice uh last week he was obviously the coach of the browns i think for what i consider my formative years as a football fan that mid 80s late 80s browns team he was the defensive coordinator from 1980 to 1984 he was the head coach from 84 to 88 he had a 44 and 27 record, got the Browns to six playoff games, only went two and four in those games. And one of the things that hit me as I was looking through the list of the Browns coaches after him, can you name for me the Browns coaches after Marty Schottenheimer that during their tenure with the Browns had a winning record? Did Lindy Infante take over for a season and did he end up with a winning record in the half a season? No. <laughs> Bud Carson? Nope. Close. Obviously, though. obviously, Bill, Belichick was Belichick, in there, but yeah, Belichick. I don't remember if he had a winning record though. With the Browns? Yeah. No. I'm going with Kevin Stefanski. Uh, you're right. <laughs> That's the list. He's oh, he's God. the he's only, only winning coach. Oh, okay. Well, it, it unless you want to count Greg Williams' interim season, he was five and three. But the only full time head coach since Marty Schottenheimer that has had a winning record as the Browns coach is Kevin Stefanski mm-hmm. in one year. Tom, what do you think? the best win of Schottenheimer's tenure with the Browns was. Wow. Put me on the spot. I got to think about that. Phil, are you ready to go? Well, I am. I am Tom ready to go. Thinks? I go am ahead, ready Phil. to go. I had the, uh, the pleasure of seeing this game in person as a 10 year old, um, with my dad, I was in the upper deck at the old Muni stadium. The best win I saw in the Schottenheimer era was the double overtime win against the jets in the playoffs. Yep. It was, I mean, I, the next week I returned to the same seats and watched the drive, but so that kind of, that feeling resonates still in my, in my soul, I think, but the jets game, we were so out of that game and we, we just willed our way back at the very end. I think it was 10 degrees outside. If, if, if that, and we, and we were going up against a jets team that was picked to destroy us because Mark Gassineau was going to split Bernie Kozar in half on every snap and all these kind of things. It, It was such a great win. And little did we know that we'd be, in the next weekend's game as well to for a chance to go to the Super Bowl, but that's my favorite by far. Yeah, that was that was one of the ones I thought of. Well, when I think back in that era, though, I mean, one of the ones that always comes to mind is this: the win against the Houston Oilers in the playoffs. I mean, that I think I think of a lot. 
How about the win in three rivers? That was the to break the jinx. That's what that's what I was the I think the win against Houston you're thinking of was the last game of the regular season. Oh, and it, it wasn't the playoff game, and then they lost the next week in the wild card to the Oilers. I'm thinking of the one where Brennan made the crazy catch, and then spun and got into the end zone, and then there was there was a stuff stop also at the one yard line with Clay Matthews. That was the Bills. That was, was the, that Bills, the Bills, and, and I think that was yeah. Bud Carson. Is that when BB bounced off his head? Yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Felix right. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I'm, the games that come to mind for me, it's the ones where we lose, and that's oh, you're just you know. like a Cleveland sports reporter. I'm I'm with you, Phil. I think it was the the double overtime win against the Jets, or the game where they broke the jinx in Three Rivers. Those were his best wins for the Browns. Who do you think the best player was that played for Schottenheimer when he was coaching the Browns? Bernard J. Kozar. <laughs> okay, that's. I think that's an obvious choice. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's up there. That's hard to pick one guy. The, the Browns of those those years had so many really good players. Yeah. You know, if you're judging it by talent at position, Ozzie Newsom made the Hall of Fame, so he's got to be on yeah. that list, right? Yeah. How do you not come to guys like Clay Matthews and and Hanford Dixon and Frank Minifield and Michael Dean Perry and you know on on offense, Kozar, Mack, and Biner? It, it just yeah. Slaughter and Brennan. I mean, all these guys, none of them were yeah, I was gonna say Slaughter. Hall of Fame caliber, but that team was loaded with Pro Bowl caliber players up and down the lineup. Newsom because he played tight end and he was kind of the forefather of the receiving tight end, so to speak. Him and maybe Kellen Winslow Sr. made the Hall of Fame. You know, great player, one of my favorites. But so to pick one the best player, that that's hard on that team. I don't know. I think it's Biner or Kosar. I think Biner gets a tough rap because of the fumble but that dude was amazing finer or kosar would have been would have been my choices tommy you got anybody different mike no Junkin. i mean i would mike chuck <laughs> yes uh chip banks chip banks was, chip banks was awesome chip banks was uh, great banks yes was he was good big daddy um, carl harrison how about who was uh al bubba baker the, al bubba the barbecue bubba guy baker, yeah. yes oh, man. yeah which closed down now i actually take the boys to a golf place over there it's right in that same strip and that's, he closed that's that same i love his, his boneless ribs man they're yeah. fantastic was forgetting about Newsom until you brought him up. And yeah, you obviously have to put him up there. Yeah, but yeah. Defensively loved Clay Matthews. And then we had the, you know, we had the best duo and as far as DBs in the league. So, but yeah, I, I would stick with Bernie. Some love older guys things. who might be able to help out. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. If Buccaneers thought us anything, Minifield Dixon, maybe they could come back. You never know. All right, guys. That's all I have for our home game segment. Why don't we take our final break and we'll move off the field? This episode of Unprofessional and Unprepared is brought to you by Recording for Dummies. The latest edition of an American classic is here to help you once again understand something so simple for most people that you might literally be a dummy if you need a book to explain it. The latest edition, Recording for Dummies, takes its readers through the intricacies of pressing record to start recording and then pressing the same button to stop recording. The ability for amateurs to record sound has been available to the masses since cassette tapes hit the mainstream. Nonetheless, recording artists, podcasters, and people with a lot of years of formal education still struggle to grasp the concept. Struggling with the challenge of pressing one button? Then you need Recording for Dummies. All right, welcome back, guys. Let's take our final segment and go off the field. Last week, Foo Fighters' new album, Medicine at Midnight, came out. And so give you a little background on the Foo Fighters. 
Band started in 1995. Medicine at Midnight is their 10th album. They've won 12 Grammys, sold over 30 million albums. And if you go on their Spotify page, their first top 10 ranked songs have more than 2 billion plays. Where do you think the Foo Fighters fit in best bands in the last 20 or so years? Allow me to give you some categories. (laughs) The low end of the spectrum is the Nickelback, Coldplay, Mumford & Sons (laughs) section. The middle section, good bands, but maybe not great. Maybe didn't put out enough material to climb the ladder. That's what I put the white stripe black keys section. And then for the last 20 years, 25 years or so, the Pantheon, you know, arguably Pearl Jam, Nirvana, U2 kind of in that top category. So Phil, where do you think Foo Fighters fit in that range? Or feel free to come up with your own range. I like your range just as good, if not better than some of your, your, uh, scales, I think. So Excellent. I like this range. We're not done I, with I, scales yet. I promise. All right, good. I can't <laughs> wait. Um, I'm a little biased. I'm, uh, you may not know this about me, but I am a, a Foo fan. So I, I've been a Foo okay. Fighters fan the entire time. I'm going to put them in the first category. I think they belong with Nirvana. I, I think they, b- well, the first category was actually Nickelback. Well, not but... the low category. Again, we're mixing <laughs> scales. We're oh, mixing boy. scales and categories. I thought this one was I meant, easy. My first, I meant top. The top okay. category. And here's why. I've gone to uh, numerous Foo Fighters concerts over the years. I've listened to their new album three times since it's come out last week. Not one of my favorites, but still a good album. The Foo Fighters, I guess, put this in a term that you can certainly relate to, Gerbs, is I went to Foo Fighters concerts in a stadium, and they are one of the only bands except Bruce Springsteen who will play continuously for three hours. Yeah. They don't stop. Their energy is out of this world. They mix a, a huge stage performance with an acoustic set, even in the big stadium type setups, cool. which is amazing. And they just keep playing. They usually have one opening act and then they get on stage and they don't leave. Like I said, it's three hours long, it's exhausting, but in a good way. And yeah. I experienced that same thing with Springsteen, same kind of experience in terms of the, you don't feel cheated in any way when you leave their concert. And then going back to their beginnings, you know, Dave Grohl came from Nirvana. So there is that foundation, so to speak, from that kind of band where little did we know that the drummer for Nirvana was also one of the best guitarists and soloists and you know, all these yeah. other things. Yeah. Plays I, I all help. the instruments. Yes. Uh, in fact, on their first LP, he was so displeased with the drummer that unbeknownst to that drummer, he went back into the studio and re-recorded all the drumming and spliced it into the album. So he basically sang and dr- and, and, yeah. and was a drummer on the album and didn't let the drummer know until after the fact. That's uh, hilarious. Kind of a dick, I didn't kind know of a that. Move. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> but hey, it's his product, right? I feel like, like it worked out. Band. Yeah, right. So I can't help but put them in that top tier. How about you, Tommy? Um, I would agree that they're definitely in that top tier. I'm I'm a fan. I'm not uh, on the same level with Phil, but I'm definitely a fan. I have not heard the new album, but take the new album out of it. I mean, they've got some great hits. You know, they have their own sound. You don't, you don't so much of this music that comes out anymore. I'm going to sound like, you know, the old man complaining yeah. about music. Do it. But it's do so, it, much do it. That, so much of the stuff that comes it's out. It's noise. all sounding the Those same. Those kids just listen to noise. <laughs> well, it's just that it sounds the same. I mean, they, but the Foo Fighters have their own sound, you know, and every, you know, everything they come out with, it doesn't, doesn't sound exactly the same. And, but I also, on a side note, just want to say that, you know, when you crap on Nickelback I think really when people do that they secretly love Nickelback but they to be cool they have to bash them this is how you uh how you remind me was on today and think that they should get more credit I can move them into the white stripes black keys category if you want <laughs> no you really nah, should not. that's okay you should really not they're fine where they're at <laughs> but, but Burke you touched on a very important part that I know Gerber, you've brought up in this pod in the past too when you were talking about Springsteen and, and, and his new album a lot of music's all about what you feel 
in the moment, like where you mm-hmm. are mentally, what's happening in the moment when you listen to this music. So Burke, to your point, you listen to a Nickelback song today. It hits you in the feels. You enjoyed it. <laughs> all right, great. That's what music's all about. It doesn't move them up a category. Going back again, I'm biased. I, I, Foo Fighters, I wasn't a big fan when they started. It was on a lot when we were in college, you know, and then I kind of, they grew on me as, as I got older. And I think a lot of it randomly had to do with what I was dealing with in my life at that time. And some of their music just spoke to me. And I, I go back and play those same songs to this date, and I remember exactly why I was feeling what I was feeling in that moment. And that's that's that emotional tie to music, be it Nickelback or Foo Fighters or Bruce Springsteen, that is so important. I've always been a big Foo Fighter fan. I think they're really good. I, I like the new album. I would say, Denko, Making a Fire, Love yeah. Dies Young, Waiting yeah. on a War, No Son of Mine. Best Top four. Absolutely. But, I agree. Um, was the song Hero and You Would Think About Me? Um <laughs> No, I, I can't help but think of Varsity Blues when I hear that song, man. <laughs> <laughs> it was like it was written for James Vanderbeek to play quarterback. I'm not sure if you guys know this, but there's a lot of competition in the podcasting industry. I want to try to start looking for ways we can expand topics on our shows or maybe bring some more of our skills and expertise into podcasting. And so I was looking around some other podcasts and want to get your take on whether these are offering something to listeners that maybe we can too. Have you ever heard of Archwell Audio? No. Nope. All right. Well, this is a podcast with Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. I don't want to add that to our podcast. I'm particularly disappointed with the two of them. Not because they left the royal family. That's their business. Their podcast is inviting on their friends who they respect and admire to learn like what's going on in, in the world and what's going on with their friends. And I think it's 100% a ripoff of this show. This is all I've been doing the entire time because I respect it. I'm so, and and I admire you two so much. And Chuck. (laughs) Wait a minute. I'm I'm totally the Meghan Markle of the show. I feel that too. Yeah. How strong is our legal department? I I feel like that's not good. It's oh, not good. On. You're talking I feel like to that him. Should be a strength. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like our legal department should be ahead of our stat department, and let's go after these people. <laughs> um, I feel like Prince Harry and Meghan Markle have a yeah. better legal department. They may have. A, they may have a better. They may have better lawyers. No. They they left the royal family. Are either of you descendants of royals? Not that anybody's told me. Bummer. I, well, I shouldn't even bring it up. I'm not going to name drop on this pod. It'll 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 go will, ahead. It'll trigger, go it'll ahead, Obama. Work. It's going to be a trigger. <laughs> Barack Obama and I share a relative on his mother's side, his grandmother. He's not royalty. That doesn't do us any good. I disagree. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) my gosh. No. Watch the crown, Denko. So, no, I'm not related to any royalty. I think think we've got to cross Archwell Audio Office. We're not going to be able to bring (laughs) any of their magic into this show, which is just magic they ripped off from us in the first place. (laughs) The Lady Gang podcast is a podcast about celebrity gossip and it's described as being inspired by their bottomless mimosa brunches each week a celebrity guest joins the girls for a raw honest and hilarious look at what life is really like under the bright lights of hollywood which of you guys knows some good stuff about hollywood gossip i'm guessing you tom probably only what i would hear through you know what ann watches on tv but i think we need to add you know mimosas and uh, brunch to our podcast i think that's uh, something that would be great Phil, do you know anything about gossip? I know less about gossip in Hollywood than I do, I think, about mimosas and brunch. (laughs) (laughs) How about this? Should we add bottomless bourbon brunches to the pot? Bottomless? Bottomless. So so none of us are subjected to that horror. (laughs) We we only see our faces on the pot. 
No, I'm not. We're not going to be bottomless. It's just there's no end to the bourbon. <laughs> no, I, I can't believe you don't even wow. understand bottomless. I, I did not. Uh, when you said that, I did not think at all about us being bottomless physically. I I, 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 I totally went bottomless with the uh, bourbon. But I I completely went pantsless. I went pantsless with that because little known fact. What is this episode Are eleven? You I, right now? I have not worn pants for one single podcast, <laughs> sure. and my my glass of bourbon is not bottomless. So I was a little thrown by that. I'm not yeah. going to lie. Maybe we can work in some drinking, but we can't do what <laughs> the Lady Gang podcast is doing. Yeah. Paris Hilton is coming out with a podcast. Thank God, where she will be yeah. interacting with fans, sharing beauty advice, offering motivational and lifestyle tips, and answering voicemails experimenting with the podcast medium by using it more like a social media platform. Phil, can we record an episode of you responding to voicemails at work? Yes. Awesome. There's no, there's no HIPAA issue at all there. Well, no, no, no. (laughs) We're going to have to cut out. We're going to have to cut out certain things on the voicemail, like probably the patient and their name, but you know, any, I get voicemails from, from all sorts of things. It doesn't have to be patients. We're good. We're good. Yeah. Suppliers. Let's just do that. That'll be awesome. (laughs) That sounds terrible. It's going to be terrible. <laughs> it's going to be slightly that's bad radio, less man. terrible. Yeah, slightly less terrible than Paris Hilton answering any voicemail. Yeah, Tom, will you agree to start taking pictures of your food and your outfits each day for the podcast social media? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you guys want to see a bunch of pictures of Nutrisystem boxes and uh, you know different containers, that sure. Okay. I mean, it's very appetizing. And my outfits, well, considering I basically wear the same thing every day, that's not going to be very exciting. Um, I work at home. I barely leave my home. I don't wear much other than sweats and hoodies. So, Well, if, if uh, that's our market, that's our market, Tom. I yeah, don't know what to tell you. That's true. Um, I'm surprised Paris Hilton's taking this long to get. I mean, she normally looks for ways to make money, and uh, I'm surprised uh, it's taken her this long to get into podcasting. I don't know. Maybe she'll talk about that, Tom. When, when, you when you she... listen and let you let us know, Burke. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. thank, no, thank no, you. No, thank you. That's actually a great idea. Actually, <laughs> yeah. can we assign you to listen to her podcast every week and then report back to us oh, about God. it? Oh God, that no, actually was torture. It. I love it. Of everything we just discussed, that's the only good idea we came up with. <laughs> Write that one down. Burke listens to Paris. We can yeah. call it. Oh. We could call it something you know, like Burke goes to Paris. I don't know. Last thing in our off the field segment. I don't know if you guys know this, but Valentine's Day is coming up next weekend. I so something about it. Scale of one to ten. One being water, ten being a sixth toe. How necessary is Valentine's Day? <laughs> I actually understand this scale. <laughs> the scale. Oh my gosh. Water. <laughs> Very necessary. So yeah, that's one, right. So, so one, one is one means a very one, necessary. Exactly. Right. Six, Six total. So not total. necessary. Ten. Yeah. Bad number. Right. All right. So where do I put Valentine's Day on that scale? Yeah. In terms of of how necessary it is. Yes. For all sorts of reasons, uh, some of which may surprise you, I I'm going to say it's uh, Valentine's Day is an is a ten. It's a ten. It's it's unnecessary. Okay. Tommy, how about you? <laughs> to me, I would take it as far as a seventh toe. It's absolutely not necessary at all. It's Wait a, a Hallmark holiday, and it's uh, completely unnecessary. I have no use for it, and it will be just like every other day in my life. The greatest accomplishment I have had as a married man is finally convincing my wife that we should not celebrate Valentine's Day. It took about yeah. seven years of marriage, and she finally broke down, and now we just get to treat it like every other day 
and I'm thrilled. And I <laughs> give it a you. ten. I give it a ten. Nice. Yes. It's completely worthless. Tommy, what's uh, what's going on with the weight loss, buddy? I'm at 22 pounds lost. Holy shit! Wow, big week, man. That's 22. awesome. Yes, sir. Feeling wow. pretty good. So, how many weeks total has this been now? I started on the 11th, so we're you know we're getting close to a month. Okay, four or five weeks. That that is an amazing pace, man. 22 yeah. pounds. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. So yeah, it's been going well. Yeah, I'm feeling better. I don't notice a lot. The family says that they see it, so it's gonna start showing up, man, for sure. If you can keep that pace, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Do you think any of our friends are lying about doing the 125 push-ups a day? Absolutely. Who yeah. do you think who do you think the liar is? Tersic probably lies sometimes. I don't know. Yeah, Tersic would have been my guess too. You think anybody's lying about it? I I don't, man. I, I don't think so. I, I think if it wasn't in solidarity with one of our brothers, then yeah. then perhaps, but because it is, I, I don't think anyone's lying. No, um, for, the, for the record, I was kidding. I don't think Tersic and them are lying. I don't think he is either. If, no. if any, I, if anything, I don't think I, they're lying. If anything, I think some people are flying past 125, but yeah. aren't saying it other than Burke's 384 the one day, which oh, yeah, that <laughs> that's was, an amazing number. That's I was, amazing just, I was just saying that because you guys kept adding numbers, so I just threw a number. Out there. <laughs> that, that's how you get to 22 pounds lost that's in right. a week's yeah. time. Right. Yeah. 300 push-ups a yeah. day instead of instead of uh, 125, just randomly on a day do 384. You are the Herschel Walker of the of the yeah, group. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, boys, we are out of time and I am out of questions for now. I want you guys to have a great week and uh, let's plan on doing this again real soon. Okay. Sounds Sounds good. good. I I had some list that I was looking at to like, okay, what, how can I, how can I talk about this and like try to put, these guys into context and I, and I found some list that I thought was like legit online, but I've come to determine later on that it wasn't because it's like top 20 bands of the last like 20 years and Foo Fighters were number one. I'm like, okay, that's cool. This guy, you know, mm-hmm. Red Hot Chili Peppers were two. And uh, I was scrolling down and uh, 13 was Counting Crows. I'm like, holy cow, this is a pretty cool list. Like, I, I can get behind this. Yeah. And then um, 16 was Nickelback. <laughs> and 20 was Jamiroquoi. And I'm like, oh, all right. Who the fuck so is that? It this took a terrible. deep dive after that. Oh, what the yeah. hell? Yeah. Oh, that was Jamiroquoi. Jamiroquoi. <laughs> <laughs> the video was really yeah. cool. I that get it. Had, that guy had the floor moving in his video. <laughs> <laughs> what an artist. Yeah, good yeah, for he, him. He, he took the handles off a treadmill and made a yeah. video. Yeah. <laughs> Why didn't I think 20. of that? <laughs> we should do that on this show. You guys oh, want to just God. get moving floors for sure. the uh, <laughs> stumbling all over the place? I don't. I don't know. I'm I'm bottomless right now. That could be a problem. <laughs> I love that you took bottomless as meeting us not wearing yeah. pants for the podcast. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me, but I'm uh, I'm, I'm all I'm, I'm yeah. ready to, to bottomless bourbon, and, and you thought. Oh, I'm going to drink bourbon and wear no pants. <laughs> because when you said bottomless bourbon, I thought immediately, well, that's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> How's the uh, microphone? Stumping you guys. Yeah. Dude, my, my memory of the 80s games, I just, I got to go back and like, think about this. I, I just can't remember so much that stuff. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I don't think I remember a ton of them either because I think that was at a time when 
some of those games were still blacked out. So like we couldn't watch yeah. them on TV. We're listening to them on like a radio or something like that. Um, we used to drive, we used to drive to like rest areas where we would hit a certain spot and on these stupid little TVs where you could like turn the dial and get, yeah. the, and we'd be hanging out at the rest stop with like my uncles and stuff like that. Everybody would go out there and you'd be watching the stupid little TV. And then of course we'd just be playing football and stuff, but yeah. Yeah. yeah, I remember just doing that because the games were blacked out. But yeah, yeah. I mean, you guys mentioned some of these games, and I do remember them when you mentioned them. But when you threw that question at me, I, I couldn't think of anything other yeah. than the ones, like I said, the ones that we've lost with the fumble and the drive. That was yeah. uh, that was an era that I didn't miss a game. If it was on TV, I watched it. If, if it wasn't, oh, yeah. I listened to it on the radio. Oh, yeah. So, and I it was it, it went back to an era too where um, every year I went to training camp every year as a kid. Mm-hmm. My uh, at Lakeland, at Lakeland, yeah, Lakeland Community College. I would sometimes my my dad would stick around as I got a little older, like ten. I'd get dropped off, and he'd pick me up two hours later, and I would just watch practice and get get autographs, get pictures with these guys. That's it awesome, a, man. It was a different time. That, I got to have a conversation with my dad. Yeah, well, <laughs> so now, it's now, not too late, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> but I got now, a lot of problems with you. access access to these players is crazy now because they're all on social media and all these kind of things back then back then yeah that was the only time you had like one-on-one personal i had a i had a conversation with ernest biner and i think i was 11 (laughs) like i'm just talking to ernest biner yeah yeah Yeah, you could go (laughs) there and the crowds were nothing like what you see now when you go to these things at the i should dig out these i should dig out these photos because the pictures are phenomenal um and, and it's just one of those things. So that, that era really kind of stuck with me a, a ton. And I remember so much of it vividly because of that experience. Like I was, mm-hmm. it, it, it felt a little smaller than it does these days, right? Yeah. Like I, I ran into yeah. Ozzie Newsome at, at a Pizza Hut. What mm-hmm. tight end in the NFL nowadays is yeah. going to Pizza Hut to eat dinner, right? I hope not. Yeah, right. <laughs> Get him right. on the TV twelve. Yeah. <laughs> they should not be eating at Pizza Hut. Well, he could have been carbo loading. He was carbo loading for the big game. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs>